Well, already, gang, welcome back to the Gutowski Files, starring Stephen Gutowski. Stephen is the founder of TheReload.com and the host of the weekly, weekly Reload podcast and the star of the Gutowski Files, I might add, and a good friend of mine. Stephen, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you doing, I'm do I'm doing good. Uh, just I would mention this for the last time ever. We have heard... We've heard our audience, and we will not talk about anything not gun-related until the very end, at which point you can turn this off and not be subjected to it. So That's the best part of the show, though. I think, hey, I think so, too. I mean, who oh, <laughs> unprofessional. I'll just bump my mic. Um all right, so we have. It doesn't we have, make sense to get right into the news. So what? Yeah, what? what are yeah, doing? I was gonna. Yeah, I was. I was about to. So uh, over at the Reload, there's an article by Stephen Gutowski. It is uh, entitled "Newsletter: New Poll Finds Huge Jump in Gun Ownership." Um, so tell us, uh, Stephen, about that. Who who did the poll, and what were they asking? Yeah, so this poll is from NBC News, um, and uh, they were. You know, it's a little bit uh, interesting, a little bit different from the other polls that ask about gun ownership that you typically see from major outlets or uh, you know academic institutions or what have you because this one asks specifically voters uh, whether they own guns or, or have a gun in the home and it was the first time ever that they found more than half of American voters report having a gun in the home now it's 52 percent and that was a significant increase over the last time they asked this which was is another key bit because that was 2019. Mm -hmm. And as we've talked about a lot on this show and a lot of it over at the reload, uh, you know, the, there was a big sea change during the pandemic era in 2020 and afterwards where we saw a huge spike in gun sales. And there was some evidence that indicates there was a huge increase in the number of new gun owners, uh, you know, to the tune of millions, millions and millions um, of new gun owners, according to at least. Uh, you know, industry surveys, the, the National Shooting Sports Foundation, which is the firearms industry's trade group, has done dealer surveys where they ask dealers uh, if they're seeing new customers and they they use that survey to calculate how many new customers they think uh, were coming in during that time period. And, you know, so that's one piece of evidence. Uh, if you're trying to build a strong case for a trend or something significant like millions of Americans becoming new gun owners, uh, you obviously want more than just one piece of evidence. And mm -hmm. so this is the first major media poll where you've seen the kind of effect that you would expect if that's true. You know, if there have been millions of new gun owners coming into the, the community over the last couple of years, you would expect the number of people reporting that they're either a gun owner or that they have a gun in their house um, would go up mm -hmm. and we had seen a little bit of that in some of the other polling from pew and the associated press uh especially found i think their largest percentage ever but it was still like 46 percent there's a couple point raise um and now you know a couple percentage points when you're thinking of the american populace that is millions of people mm -hmm. um but here's the first one where we've seen a really significant increase i believe it was eight points um and wow. if you look two um actually it's 10 points over the last 10 years mm. um so i think it was eight points over the last three years um and then and then this also dovetails with another aspect of we've been that we've been talking a lot about right which is uh, the changing nature of gun ownership in america the changing face of gun owner of the american gun owner mm -hmm. right um now this has been obviously an ongoing process i think for well on 20 years now but it's really accelerated during the pandemic where we saw uh, your your stereotypical gun owner or your average gun owner 
uh, moved from being more rural, more, more white, more male and older and more interested in, in hunting uh, to being more suburban and urban and uh, more minorities, more women and more people who were primarily interested in self-defense uh, have, have started purchasing guns. And you're seeing that reflected in this poll too, because the largest increases in gun ownership uh, among any given demographic came uh, with minorities. NBC poll found there were 41% of black voters now say they or someone they live with owns a gun. Mm -hmm. uh, that's up 17% since 2019. That's a big so, deal. Yeah, I was going to state, uh, key in on something you said um, for the reasons given by uh, respondents to the poll as to why are they getting a gun. And increasingly it is, in fact, for self-defense versus, you know, sports shooting or hunting or other reasons that were traditionally sort of, in, you know, at the top of the list for why people would buy a, a firearm. And I, I think I think we, it's, it's easy to forget. It's easy for people to forget what it was like in early 2020 when everything was shutting down you know the, the police response was getting weird because they were you know under covid protocols and i think it gave everybody an idea uh, it, it kind of showed everybody what the police already know which is our society is held together with like strands really and as soon as you start to you know eat away at the sort of normalcy that we have day to day where yes i can i know i can go get gas today i know i can go to the store today or whatever those things start to disappear and things like police response or even fire rescue response are getting weird or janky because they have to have COVID protocols. And I think people started to realize, hey, there could be a point a point in my life. It may not be right now. It may not be during COVID. There could be a point in my life when there is no one to defend me but me. There's no one to defend me and my family but me and my family. So I think that probably had a lot to do with it. What are your thoughts? I think that's absolutely true. I think, you know, when you look back at 2020, 2021, what you see is a confluence of in incidents that gave people from all kinds of backgrounds, whether it's uh, racial, political, religious, you know, whatever, different motivations to go and buy a gun. Like it, there were so many things that happened that sort of get at this underlying point that you're making about uh, feeling the need to have a bit more self-reliance mm -hmm. when it comes to personal safety that you know, where the police are less reliable because there's either uh, they're getting sick with COVID or they're getting, uh, or you, you trust between the police and the community uh, breaks down, like after uh, the George Floyd murder. Yeah, or or, or there or, or there's riots, riots yeah, riots going on, and they're all just too busy to, to respond to your burglar. There's so much. There's so many different things that happen that would that provided an incentive for all kinds of different people that come from all kinds of different point of views to want a gun, mm -hmm. that it was kind of a perfect storm, if that makes sense. Um, it does. You know, you're getting at sort of that base level, you know, the, the base level of why you would want to own a gun is pretty similar across the board, but there's a lot of individual motivating factors that might push you to start thinking about that concept. And I think a lot of that came during 2020, um, you know, where you might have people on the opposite side of the, the political or ideological spectrums that both had good reasons to go out and want to get a gun. Yeah, absolutely. And which uh, dovetails into uh, the next story over at The Reload, also by Stephen Gutowski, entitled Black Friday Sees Record FBI Gun Background Checks. Now, this this harkens back to some stories we've done before. And I think an interesting note before we talk about the meat of the story 
this is one of the few ways that we can sort of quantify gun sales in the United States. There is no, well, as far as we know, there's no central database on who buys guns or what kind of gun or or where. So this is this is important. It's a big deal. Um, you know, record FBI gun background checks means the obvious, which is there's a lot more people at least interested in purchasing a firearm, many of them for the first time, I would imagine. Yeah, well, I think this is especially interesting, this particular story about Black Friday uh, background checks. And now this is a little bit less reliable of a number than what we usually use for these things, because you're right. Uh, the number of background checks performed uh, in a given time period is considered to be one of the most reliable metrics for measuring how many gun sales happen, mm -hmm. because uh, every gun sale made by a licensed gun dealer uh, requires a background check. Right. And um, and and most sales are made by licensed dealers. So, uh, you know, whether you're buying a used gun or a new gun from them and only only licensed dealers can sell new guns is another factor that goes into that. But right. regardless, that's uh, because we don't have a national registry. Like you mentioned, there's no report that comes out that says this is how many guns are in circulation in the United States. We don't know. Right. Uh, now, that's, you know, on purpose. A lot of people don't want the government to know those things, right? Yeah, I'm one of uh, them. Now, that's obviously, uh, you know, an open debate. Some states have registries, but it's a very small minority of states. Um, regardless, that you know, that leaves us with, like, how do we know how many guns are being sold? We know how many are manufactured each year because the ATF regulates uh, manufacturers. Uh, and we know how many background checks are run. So that that's how we gauge this. Now, of course, background checks, the National Instant Criminal Background Check System, uh, NICS for short, is used for more than just gun sales. So that's one complicating factor here with some of these numbers, just to, so people are understand this. Uh, it's also used when you go to, you know, get your concealed carry permit, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and then on top of that, some states will recheck everyone who has a concealed carry permit every month, like right. Illinois, for instance, uh, or some states use it just to uh, for firearm owner identification cards. So just like pistol purchase permits, things like that. Uh, some some states require you to have that just to buy a gun. Mm -hmm. uh, again, a minority, but they they tend to be really big states too. So there's a lot a lot of people get caught up in that, and that drives these numbers up pretty high. Like Illinois rechecks their permits every month, so you every month in Illinois there's hundreds of thousands of NICS checks that aren't actual gun sales. Yeah, have you been to but Chicago? Regardless. I just have to say this really quick. I've been to Chicago a couple of times. There, you know, Chicago is a cool place. There's a lot of cool people there, a lot of yep. fun stuff to do, things to see. Don't go in the mm -hmm. winter. But the state of Illinois, honestly, they have time. This is something they have to do, I assume, semi-manually. I don't know how much you know about it. But the idea that they have time to sort of capriciously go through everyone's you know, background over and over again every month to look for the possibility that somebody has a, you know, a, a, a conviction or some other thing that would preclude them from being a, a lawful possessor is bizarre to me and an unbelievable waste of government resources. But that's just my two cents. Yeah, I think the idea is just like, if you commit a crime that disqualifies you from having a gun, uh, they want to know about it as soon as possible. So they rerun everybody's permits every month. Um, I, I feel like just ha ha having the court to report to, to the whatever authority it is, having the court report everybody yeah. who got a DV conviction this month would be a lot easier, but what do I know? Well, not every state does this. So right. yeah, I mean, it's clearly uh, something that uh, is at least questionable of whether it's worth doing or not. But well, some I mean, states do it and that's why the numbers get inflated. There's hardly any gun um, so, crime in Chicago, so it must be working. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's uh, uh, there are issues with using these raw numbers 
and that's why usually we rely on when the FBI releases Nick's data on a monthly basis, they release like a more detailed version of the data that shows you that codes these checks based on whether they're permit checks or they're handgun sales or long gun sales. They don't get any further detail than that, but, but it gives you uh, the ability to go in and, and look at the numbers and break them down to just gun sales, mm-hmm. uh, or at least to get closer to that. Cause there's also, so there's caveats here. You know, if you, some States let you bypass a NICS check, if you have a valid permit, uh, concealed carry permit, right? So you don't, wouldn't show up in a NICS, uh, check, uh, data with, even though you bought a gun a lot, most States don't require you to do a NICS check when you sell a used gun to another private party. Um, you know, th- there's, a lot more that goes into it that makes this not a one-to-one number. But uh, this one is, uh, you know, the point here is just, it's a little less reliable than usual when we talk about these numbers. So keep that in mind, but it is still an apples to apples comparison to other Black Fridays. And this was the biggest one ever, which is significant in part because, you know, 2020 and 2021, as we just talked about, set these huge records for gun sales for these background check numbers. And, uh, but they've been declining ever since then. And the industry has kind of been looking for a floor. Like, where is this going to settle out? Uh, are these new gun owners that we're now getting more evidence really do exist? Uh, are they going to be repeat buyers? Are they going to be you know hobbyists? Are they going to be people who make the floor for the firearms industry higher than it was in 2019? Right. And that's where something like, these Black Friday numbers uh, last uh, this most recent October was was higher than the year before. You know that gives you some indication that yeah yes that that does seem to be the case. And uh, you know I think this is significant for uh, similar reasons as this NBC poll, which is like you know if there are millions more gun owners in the United States. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're all going to, especially if they come from demographics that have traditionally uh, have owned guns at lower rates than uh, the average, right? Right. Uh, and and have traditionally voted uh, uh, for for Democrats, mm-hmm. just to be completely yeah, you know, frank about, because right. Democrats are in the in this country support gun control more than Republicans. Sure. Um, now, that could have very significant. First, I think cultural changes. Um, you know the who's buying guns, who's who's consuming like gun entertainment, going to matches, hunting, you know, that's going to change a lot about gun culture in the United States. And then downstream from that, uh, likely is going to be changes to gun politics. And that's, this is sort of the, the reason I find this poll so important uh, that we're talking about it a week after it came out. I mean, wish it hadn't come out on Thanksgiving week and more people had heard about this. Right. Um, I really think that it it underlines this sort of overarching idea about where guns in America is headed over the next couple of decades, really, Um, you know, over this next generation, because, you know, if you have a lot more gun owners, even though, you know, I know some people assume that that just means you immediately switch from party line voting one way to party line voting. So how any of this works, yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's the effect. And we haven't seen that effect, right? Because these gunners came in in 2020 uh, before the election and, you know, Donald Trump lost and Joe Biden won and Joe Biden has been a very aggressively uh, pro-gun control candidate and has continued to, to be that way, which is kind of fascinating when you look at some of these polls. 
of whether how well that's going to, you know, how is that going to work out? When when is the the effect going to move from gun culture to gun politics? You know, is another big question because it hasn't yet. You look at the same poll also indicated that people uh, were basically split on whether they were more concerned that the government would uh, infringe on gun rights or would not do enough to prevent, um, you know, bad people from getting guns. I'm paraphrasing there, obviously, but right. the, you know, the, the, the it did, that poll that the, you didn't see a huge change in Americans' opinions in that uh, in, in this poll on gun policy. Mm-hmm. You saw a huge change in how many Americans own guns. But I do think as people, um, some percentage of these new owners become, you know, uh, gun enthusiasts. That that will have a trickle down effect, and, I, and and also just generally, people who own guns, you see this in polling all over, you know, historically, tend to be less supportive of gun restrictions. Mm-hmm. And, and so um, the question here is, I think you can already see some of the gun culture changing in a lot of ways. You look around and some of the influencers that have become popular in the last couple of years, you can see a change. You can see a different perspective coming in, um, and and especially. The gun owning community. Uh, you can see the rise of certain of some groups like the National African American Gun Association mm-hmm. or a Girl in a Gun shooting leagues uh, as as evidence of this. But you know, I, I just I would think that eventually that's going to trickle down into the into gun politics as well, uh, and that's why this is so important. I think. Yeah, concur. I mean, this. I think you alluded to this earlier, but. I just want to reemphasize this sort of thing in, in a change in how people potentially vote. And by the way, who people vote for on this on the local, state, and federal level can sometimes be for me. It's very different. I, I don't always vote. Mm-hmm. I don't always vote party line. Um, you know, I might I might like um, you know take Kirsten Cinema in my state, of Arizona, for example, who everybody thought was just going to be an absolute far left, you know, crazy person, and she's proven not to be that at all. So, um, you know, I. And there's there's some people in the party that I belong to that I, I to vote for them I'd have to completely hold my nose. With that said, you know I think the the consequences of more people owning guns politically might take a lot longer to show up. You know in an election or in in a poll about political views or about gun rights, just like the court system. Yeah. You know I think people think the Supreme Court makes a decision and then boom everything's different. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that's absolutely right. And and you know the place that I look for a political effect down the line is in like democratic primaries, you know, like our, the democratic party has moved fairly far, uh, fairly to the left on this issue over the last, uh, you know, since Barack Obama, yeah, really, I'd say that um, that's accurate. You know, you look at how president Biden is treating the issue and it's much, she's much more aggressive on, uh, instituting, uh, unilateral policies to try and ban certain guns, even confiscate them or at least uh, force people to register them with, with the ATF, uh, with you know, things like the pistol brace ban or, or uh, the, the so-called ghost gun ban, things, things of that nature. And he's, his top issue when he talks about guns, his top policy proposal is, is a, a Sullivan's ban, which is different from uh, Obama, whose top proposal was universal background checks. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that he didn't support a Sullivan's ban, but what they would talk about and what they tried to pass was a universal background check bill, which is a, which is, has much more support in polling than assault weapons bans. And it's just been, you know, so it's it, the party of Democrats have moved further left on this issue. You could argue that Republicans have moved the other direction. Um, and so, you know, what I would look is like, 
is this going to have an effect in moderating Democrats' approach to guns? Uh, we haven't seen that yet, I don't think. I think I think eventually um, is the answer to that question. If I had to guess, but that's that would be the that's the political effect I would look for. Because yeah. if you start seeing more Democrats win primaries by either downplaying gun policy or having a more moderate stance on guns, you could see this maybe a little bit in a place like Colorado, mm -hmm. where the governor there, Jared Polis, has supported a number of gun control policies. Of course, they have total control of the government there. But he's opposed uh, assault weapons ban, and because and people think that's because he has ambitions about running for president in the future, and um, you know so that that and he wants to be a little bit more moderate on this issue than other Democrats have been, because if you look at the presidential primary from last year, uh, sorry the last cycle, uh, the I mean the the majority position I think in that field was not just ban AR-15s but confiscate them as well. Yeah. That was Eric Swalwell has said that obviously uh, the. And, and Kamala Harris, the current vice president, agreed with Eric Swalwell in one of the debates on that point. Uh, and then obviously there was Beto O'Rourke, who uh, was I was just full, thinking of him. Yeah. Hell yeah, we're going to take your guns. That uh -huh. was his famous quote. Um, but uh, I mean, now he didn't do very well after that point. So I, how viable that that was, uh, I don't know. But but, you know, clearly, if Paulus is trying to carve out a different path maybe that is an evidence of some of the, some of this effect that I, I don't know but i we don't see a ton of it as, at this point and that's where i would look to start seeing that more subtle effect happen yeah running in texas and saying hell yeah we're going to take your ar-15s is it's i don't know think of a quick analogy if you're running for governor of maryland and you're like crab cakes are disgusting they should be outlawed like you're not you're not going to win that race absolutely no way now but before we go because i do have to run i gotta go um Record some badge cans with John. But before that, I think you told me before we hit the record button, you just got a new holster. And it's one of the ones that Active Self-Protection um, recommends. Is that right? Yeah. I uh, I, I listened to John uh, uh, to my benefit, you know. Uh, so this no is comment. an endorsement of John's, <laughs> John's expertise here. But, uh, you know, I got a Black Arch Protus hybrid holster. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, John has, there's a whole, there's, I think a very popular video on the channel on, on the main ASP channel about how bad, uh, hybrid holsters are. Uh, and there's a lot of good points made in that video, especially about the sort of leather backed with just plastic Kydex mm -hmm. front. Um, because yeah, I have my own story really, about that. Go, moving they on. Don't, they don't really hold your gun that well. Mm -hmm. Um, but there is, uh, but they are extremely comfortable to carry, which is why a lot of people like them, right? And um, uh, you know, I had I had carried an Alien Gear for a long time, which uh, addressed some of the issues by putting a metal plate in the backing so that you get some better retention. That rigidity, way. yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, their latest offering, uh, the Kydex didn't fit the the factory gun that I bought with the optic. I'd have the optic have I have I told you my wasn't... alien gear story? I think I probably have, but it didn't. No, and, and look, I've to be fair, I've I've had I've liked my alien gears in the past. So I, I don't know. I, this one didn't work out well for this. I got a Sig P three three sixty five X macro mm -hmm. um, with the with the really not great um, Sig uh, was it zero elite. Uh, red dot yeah. so, but it comes with like a little steel cover that goes around it and that didn't fit in the kydex and the alien gear for some reason even though it's factory it says it's made for that, that yeah 
Yeah, I'll tell my I'll tell my uh, extraterrestrial equipment story some other time. Uh, it didn't it didn't go well for me or my Glock 17 on duty transporting mm. a prisoner, where I, my gun almost fell off of my person because the alien gear holster literally disintegrated. And then their Ooh, customer yeah, service was not so great. Um, yeah, but, they're they're one of those giant companies that just cranks out a ton of them. So uh, yeah. I will say that Black Arch has been great. You know, I, I have the uh, the Enigma too, the Filster Enigma, which mm-hmm. I think is what I prefer for appendix carry, mm-hmm. but personally, I, I also just find strong side carry a bit more comfortable, uh, especially with my like everyday outfits that I wear. Um, and so this, this black arch, it's like a three quarter Kydex, um, that's put on a synthetic backing, uh, or, le- and so it's super comfortable mm-hmm. okay. and, and it does everything you want it to do for a holster. So John was right. John was right about that one in my my experience so far. So John does get some things right once in a while. I will grant him that for sure. Uh, that's all the time we have, folks. If you are lamenting the lack of down the middle scene, sober reporting on the Second Amendment and all things gun related, go over to thereload.com, thereload.com, spelled like it sounds, and consider getting a membership. Stephen and his team uh, rely on your membership dues to fund his important work. And if he's not doing it, I'm not sure who is. Stephen, you had something to add? Oh, we're actually having our Black Friday sale right now. Uh, Tell the I good people about that. Be, yeah, this will be published while it's still going on for the rest of the week, twenty um, percent off. So that we don't do sales super often. So this uh, this this will be going at Wednesday, November 29th, twenty three, Thursday the thirtieth at the latest. So if you're hearing this when it comes out, that's still going on, right? Yep, yep. It'll be going on through Friday. So, uh, you know, if you if you ever thought about wanting to get access to those exclusive pieces that we do, or uh, early access to, the, to our podcast or come on the podcast that you know that, that sort of thing uh now's your chance to do it for for a good bargain there you go folks you heard it here first probably uh thanks again for listening folks do me a favor if you are you know listening to this on apple or watching it uh, on youtube leave us a comment um leave us a like whatever tell us what you like tell us what you don't like i want to hear all of it uh, and i want the show to just keep getting better steven as always sir you have the last word Absolutely.